Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we are beginning the ninth canto and like I uh, was saying uh, to Dean uh, it's a you know um, it's a interesting chapter let's put it that way <laughs> a very interesting chapter uh, with not too many purports but a very interesting uh, um pastime or yeah so let me uh get to the beginning of this so this is the beginning of the ninth canto um <clears throat> and it begins with a well, well we'll we'll start reading so the canto nine chapter one verse number one king parikshit said oh uh, my Lord, Sukadeva Goswami, you have elaborately described all the periods of the various Manus. And within those periods, the wonderful activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who has unlimited potency. I am fortunate to have heard all of this from you. So uh, we've been hearing, it, yeah, I mean, all pretty much throughout the Bhagavatam, what happens is in describing the different Manu periods, which are these long, long periods of time, um, as, as it says in this verse, within that period of time, there's, the Lord appears and there's the activities of the Lord, which is really what the Bhagavatam is getting at. Not, not exactly just you know the Manu periods of time, but what the Leela, the pastimes, the incarnations of Krishna and the different lessons that we learn from them within that. So that's why, you know, when you, even you go back to uh, the fifth canto and, you know, we hear um, <clears throat> about, I, I, you know, the, well, we hear Swayam Bhuvamanu and uh, oh, I'd have to, my memory is not serving me right now, but it's, it's throughout the Bhagavatam, we're hearing the different periods of the Manus, but really what's happening is we're hearing the pastimes of the Lord, as this verse says. So verse number two and three, uh, Satyabrata, the saintly king of, and we're going to hear a lot of names now, but we will get to the, uh, yeah, the purports. The saintly king of Dravidadesh, who received spiritual knowledge at the end of the last millennium by the grace of the Supreme, later became Vaivashvata Manu, the son of Vivashvan, who's the sun god. And the next Manvantar, there's many, many Manus, um, yeah, anyway, there's, we can discuss that another time, the whole uh, who are the Manvantars, et cetera, the period of Manu. I have received this knowledge from you. I <clears throat> also understand that such kings as Ikshvaku were his sons, as you have already explained. Uh, and we've heard of Ikshvaku because he's mentioned in the beginning of the third chapter or fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, so this is King Parikshit still asking his questions. Oh, great fortunate Sukadeva Goswami, oh, great Pramana, kindly describe to us separately the dynasties and characteristics of all those kings, for we are always eager to hear such topics from you. Kindly tell us about the abilities of all the celebrated kings born in the dynasty of Avashvatamanu, uh, including those who have already passed, those who may appear in the future, and those who exist at present. So, past, present, and future. And there's, there's a whole lesson, this not in this chapter, but a whole lesson to be learned about the, the um, there's just like chap, a whole, at least one chapter that's just explaining the different kings. So Sutta Goswami is talking to the sages in Naimisharanya, and he says, 
When Sukadeva Goswami, the great knower of religious principles, uh, was thus requested by Maharaj Prikshit in the assembly of all the scholars learned in Vedic knowledge, he then proceeded to speak. Sukadeva Goswami continued. So that was Sutta talking, and now Sukadeva is talking to King Prikshit. O king, subduer of your enemies, now hear from me in great detail about the dynasty of Manu. I shall explain as much as possible, although one could not say everything about it, even in hundreds of years. Let me just let everyone in. Okay. So for those who are just arriving, um, we are on text eight of the ninth canto, chapter one, one, uh, nine, one, eight. The transcendental supreme person, the super soul of all living entities, who are in different statuses of life, high and low, existed at the end of the millennium when neither the, this manifested cosmos nor anything else but him existed. So Krishna is there before creation, and of course he does the creation, etc. And Prabhupada writes, taking the proper position from which to describe the dynasty of Manu, Sukadeva Goswami begins by saying that when the entire world is inundated, only the Supreme Personality of God exists and nothing else. Sukadeva Goswami will now describe how the Lord creates other things one after another. Text number nine. O King Parikshit, from the navel of the Supreme Personality of God was generated a golden lotus on which the four-faced Lord Brahma took his birth. From the mind of Lord Brahma, Marichi, Marichi, took birth, and from the semen of Marichi, Kasyapa appeared. By Kasyapa, from the womb of Aditi, the daughter of Daksha Maharaj, Vivishwan took birth. Now, in this class, we won't, but these are all famous people in the Bhagavatam, although we may not, we may or may not be so familiar with them all. But like Daksha was back in the fourth canto. Vivishwan, as I mentioned, is mentioned in the uh, uh, beginning, uh, what is it? What is that verse? Maybe I, now, you, now I'm curious. Does anyone remember that verse that Vivishwan has mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita? The first verse of chapter four. Okay, I got it. That's, okay. Sri mm-hmm. Bhagavan Uvacha, Imam Vibhashvate Yogam, Proktavam Ahamavyayam, Vivishwan Manave Praha, Manur Ikshvakavevravit. Krishna said, I instructed this imperishable science of yoga to the sun god Vivishwan. And Vivishwan instructed it to Manu. There's, so here's the connections. The father of mankind and Manu in turn extra, instructed it to Ikshvakus. So we've heard all those names uh, before and they're mentioned here in the Bhagavad Gita. And this is, you know, later, a few verses later, um, Arjuna has a doubt that Vivishwan is older than you, Krishna. So how could you have instructed this to him? many, many, many years ago. And then that's what Krishna says. Many births you and I have both taken. I can remember all of them, but you cannot. Okay, so back to Bhagavatam. Okay. Text 11 and 12. O King, best of the Paratha dynasty, from Vivashvan, by the womb of Sangya, Shraddha Manu was born. Shraddha Manu, having conquered his senses, begot ten sons in the womb of his wife, Shraddha. The names of these sons were Ikshvaku, Nriga, Saryati, Dista, Trista, Karushaka, Narishyanti, Yanta, Prisad, Adha, Nabhaga, 
and Kavi. Text 13. Manu at first had no sons. Therefore, in order to get a son, the great saint uh, Vashishta, who was very powerful in spiritual knowledge, performed a sacrifice to satisfy the demigods uh, Mitra and Varuna. Text 14. During the sacrifice, Shraddha, Manu's wife, who was observing the vow of subsisting only on drinking milk, so she was powerful, she had done these sacrifices, uh, this austerity, approached the priest offering the sacrifice, offered obeisances to him, and begged for a daughter, even though her husband was asking for a son. Told by the chief priest, now offer oblations, the person in charge of oblations took clarified butter to offer. He then remembered the request of Manu's wife and performed the sacrifice while chanting the word Vasat. Manu had begun the, that sacrifice for the sake of getting a son, but because the priest had, was diverted by the request of Manu's wife, a daughter named Ila uh, was born. Upon seeing the daughter, Manu was not very satisfied. Thus, he spoke to his guru, Vashishta, as follows. Purport. Because Manu had no issue, he was pleased at the birth of the child, even though a daughter, and gave her the name Ila. Later, however, he was not very satisfied to see the daughter instead of a son. Because he had no issue, he was certainly very glad at the birth of Ila, but his pleasure was temporary. So, Again, we have, to, we have to put things like that in context, of course, right? The idea was that uh, one of the main duties of a king is to have a, uh, have a successor. <laughs> and in those Vedic times, the successors were male. They weren't uh, queens like, for example, we have in the, in the United Kingdom right now. Queen Elizabeth is, is in charge, uh, or at least, you know, in one sense, although she doesn't run the government, um, but kings in in the UK at one time did. So that's so he felt he hadn't done his duty. He wasn't, as it says here, wasn't like upset. Oh, um, you know, I'm really bummed out. I got a daughter, but he he hadn't fulfilled his duty as a king to um, have the succession continue. Okay, so that's that's kind of a contextual importance. Text 17. My Lord, all of you are expert in chanting the Vedic mantras. How then has the result been opposite to the one desired? This is a matter of lamentation. There should not have been such a reversal of the results of Vedic mantras. And Prabhupada talks about chanting a lot in the purport. He says that in this age, the performance of yagna, or which means sacrifice, um, Vedic sacrifice, has been for, forbidden because no one can properly chant the Vedic mantras. If Vedic mantras are chanted properly, the desire for which a sacrifice is performed must be successful. Therefore, the Hare Krishna chant is called the Maha Mantra, the great exalted mantra above all other Vedic mantras, because simply chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra brings so many beneficial effects. As explained by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Shikshastika, Chaito Dharpana Marjanam, Bhava Maha Dhava Agni Nirvapanam, Glory to the Sri Krishna Sankirtan, which cleanses the heart of all the dust accumulated for years and extinguishes the fire of conditioned life, of repeated birth and death. 
The Sankirtan movement is the prime benediction for humanity at large because it spreads the rays of the benediction moon. It is the life of all transcendental knowledge. It increases the ocean of transcendental bliss and enables us to fully taste the nectar for which we are always anxious. That's the end of that, that translation. Therefore, the best performance of yagna given to us is the Sankirtan yagna. That's from the 11th canto of the Bhagavatam. Those who are intelligent take advantage of the greatest yajna in this age by chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra in congregation. When the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra is chanted by many men together, the chanting is called Sankirtan. And, is the result of, and as a result of such a yajna, there will be clouds in the sky. Jagnad, uh, jagnad Bhavati Parjanya. And this, this is really interesting. Prabhupada wrote this, let's see, ninth canto, probably around 1976. And he says, in these days of drought, people can gain relief from scarcity of rain and food by the simple method of the Hare Krishna Yagna. Indeed, this can relieve all the human society. At the present, there are droughts throughout Europe and America, and people are suffering. But if people take this Krishna consciousness movement seriously, if they stop their sinful activities and chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, all their problems will be solved without difficulty. So this was Prabhupada's um, faith. <laughs> uh, he had this implicit faith in the power of Krishna's name because Lord Chaitanya said so, and he, he had his personal experience, and because the scriptures say that Krishna's name and Krishna are identical. So <clears throat> Prabhupada is revealing to us here his, his complete faith in the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Questions, comments, thoughts on this or anything we've read up till now? Good morning, Adam. I know it's 4.45 in the morning where you are. Okay, then if there aren't any more questions, we can carry on. Let me just check one thing. Um, yeah, I just want to check one thing on my computer. We'll just take a second. Uh, you know, if I can add something. Yes, go may, ahead, Dean. Yes. It may seem kind of uh, silly, um, but, um, you know, there are times since I met Canary where I feel like, uh, you know, it's almost like Krishna's uh, trying to send me a message. So anyway, we, we were on vacation, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we were in Turks and Caicos. And this one evening, this you know these these soaps today that had this like almost like grain to give them texture was what the was in the hotel. And one what of are these they now? Like grain, like this. I was using this soap in the shower. Oh, soap! Had, yeah, yeah. They had this sort of like textured grain in them now. A lot of these soaps, uh -huh. and uh, I think one of these things got in my eye, and it was like just burning my eye out, right? And that went away. But there was this really super annoying. Uh, grain grit in my eye and i'm starting to think oh god this is awful well i think it was like an hour later uh we, we were going to sleep and, and i did a round of chanting and um i could literally feel this thing water up in my eye and, and by the end of the chant the thing was like gone completely so again i know a lot of people probably uh sigh and kind of think that's uh, silly but I, I feel like a number of times there have been you know, times where little things like that happen, or it's like, come on, man, like, <laughs> you, you've got the, a good idea here. You just got to carry it out a little bit more. Like, that's trying to send some sort of hint, you know. That, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, anyway, this this goes to the power, perhaps, of this uh, this text, or even kind of material things can um, uh-huh. be. You know. And as long as we're not like, I broke my leg, therefore I'm just going to chant my rounds right. and not go to the hospital, or or it's or I did chant 16 rounds and I still have cancer or whatever. You know, in other words, it's it's wonderful when it happens, but we can't like blame Krishna if it doesn't happen. Right. And I think, you know, we're we're not realized enough for anything like that to happen. Right. Uh, It's got to be, you know, there would be no effort on our part if all of a sudden, you know, beams of radiance just started coming (laughs) every time we we chanted, you know. Anyways. Yeah, I I get that. Yeah. But but when it does happen and you see it as Christian's arrangement, that's nice. That's very nice. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Anyone else like to comment? Anandrupa? Yes, Anandrupa. Prabhuji, yesterday we celebrated Radha Ashtami. And yes. many times, uh, you know, when um, uh, in the beginning, like uh, when devotees, you know, they start learning about power and uh, wonderful potency of Hare Krishna Mahamantra. And Prabhupada explains, you know, in several of his, especially for Hare Krishna Mahamantra, that uh, the three words Hare Krishna and Ram what they stand for, especially Hare, Hare Radharani. And we are um, because she is extremely merciful and very dear to Krishna, uh, and we are crying out, This is a spiritual call to the Lord, and she is the internal energy. We are begging to her, we are asking her um, for the protection because we are all conditioned souls. So we should cry out genuinely like a child cries out for mother. Ah. And then the mother helps to achieve the grace of the Supreme Father. So just a little something I wanted to uh, bring to attention because recently we celebrated Ashmi also. And so there was a lot of talk about how we should approach Srimati Radharani. Uh, and there was something really beautiful I read recently in one of the prayers by Vaishnavacharyas that... <clears throat> Just like, uh, you know, winds, they carry all kinds of fragrances. So something beautiful was mentioned. So similarly, may our devotion, Srimati Radharani, may she carry our devotion to the Supreme Lord, just like wind carries the fragrances. Mm, Nice. Thank you so much. Very nice. Okay. So we only have, I think, one other purpose. That's why I mentioned, uh, because I really like to stick to one chapter, not try to do two chapters in one class. Um, so we may have a short class today. Let's see, because there's only one more purport. Although there's some interesting topics here coming up. Coming up. Um, so 18. You are, also, you are all self-controlled, well-balanced in mind, and aware of the absolute truth. And because of austerities and penances, you are completely cleansed of all material contamination. Your words, like those of the demigods, are never baffled then how is it possible that your determination has failed? So, you know, I, we did this yagna for a son, and how did I get a daughter? <laughs> the most powerful great-grandfather, Vashishta, after hearing these words of Manu, understood the discrepancy on the part of the priest. Thus he spoke as follows, the son of the sun god. This discrepancy is the objective, uh, and the objective is due to your priest's deviation from the original purpose. However, by my own prowess, I shall give you a good son. Sukadeva Goswami is talking to Maharaj Pariksha and he says, O King Pariksha, after the most famous and powerful Vishishta made this decision, 
he offered prayers to the Supreme Person Vishnu to transform Ilah into a male. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Supreme Controller being pleased with Vashishta, gave him the benediction he desired. And thus, Ilah was transformed into a very fine male named Subyumna. O King Prikshit, that hero, Subyumna, accompanied by a few priests, uh, ministers, and associates, and riding on a horse brought from Sindhu Pradesh, once went into the forest to hunt. He wore um, armor and was decorated with bows and arrows, and he was very beautiful. While following the animals and killing them, he reached the north part of the forest. Now, we probably have had discussions on this before. Wait a second. How, you know, um, how, you know, how is the king? um, He's supposed to be like a good soul and then he's killing animals. Uh, Jiva, you want to speak on this one? You're like our resident scholar or Nandimuki or Shakshi Gopal or Ananda Rupa. Hare Krishna. So again, Kshatriyas have to practice their skills for the battlefield. It's not that they learn it when they are attacked. So they have to make sure Kshatriya, the very word means one who protects. So they have to protect the citizens from any Shrati, which is any kind of uh, attack or any kind of wound. And so... Uh, they would practice it, but then you have to practice on a moving target. And as per the scriptures, it is allowed for them. Yes, there are reactions, and that's why they continue to still perform sacrifices uh, to nullify the effects. Yet so there are reactions. Yes. Yeah. And and as a society, of course, animal killing was outlawed completely, right? As a general, right? Or at least shunned upon. Is that fair to say that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dean, you have your hand up? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, so they perform sacrifices to nullify the effects. So what kind of sacrifices? Well, this is, you know, these are not the current times that we live in, right? They're very, very different. Uh-huh. So it could be more prayaschitta. Sac- in other words, um, sacrifices just nullify the bad karma, not for spiritual advancement, not like the Sankirtan sacrifice. Um, now, in uh, when animals are sacrificed, um, in uh, the again, the tradition was that the animal would get a better birth in their next life, and and uh, and that might also be the case here. But it, but my point is, uh, I wanted to bring it up because I'm sure people reading this say, "Wait, well, what?" You know, mm-hmm. um, the the general, you know, obviously. In this day, you know, in the times that we live in this yuga, you know, all kinds of um, animal killing is um, is considered, you know, especially for someone who's trying to love Krishna. It's like, you know, and Prabhupada would even, you know, often his his practically his only real criticism of Christianity was that people who claim to be Christians run slaughterhouses and kill innocent animals, you know, by the millions, if not the billions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And, and, he, and, and he said, well, you know, Jesus said, thou shalt not kill. Um, and of course, they take that as thou shalt not murder a human. And we take that, uh, Prabhupada took that as thou shalt not you know, kill animals. And, and as a general, I, I'm just trying to get this all out there so that we have, it's clear. As a general rule, 
the kings were to protect Praj, their praja. Praja means citizens. And Prabhupada clearly says that citizens include the animals. So this is a rare thing in order to practice some skill. And my understanding is the animals were benefited. Um, but I just want to say that it's a rare, the general principle is to protect all the citizens, including the animals. Uh, yes, there's a hand up here. Yes, Prabhu, this is Jiva. I just wanted to add, uh, so again, the kingly, and again, the kings, they would also want to make sure that the Brahmanas, the rishis, were staying in the jungle because jungle is in a mode of goodness uh-huh. and have a safe environment. So if there are carnivorous animals in the area, so first they would try to scare those animals away uh-huh. so that those are not disturbed. And of course, we talk about demons in Ramayana as how Vishwamitra came and took help from Ram and Lakshman to destroy some of the demons as well. So they would do those kind of activities. And uh, so in that course also, they would kill the animals just to protect and the Praja aspect, right? So if one citizen is attacking another citizen, first you try to scare the citizen away or give them the right instruction if they can understand. But if they don't understand, then they need to be punished. So right. that's... Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's, it, it, it's just... Um... We, we talked about this briefly in the past, but it's, it's so important when we read the Bhagavatam to um, understand, you know, it's a totally different culture. It's totally, you know, we even, you know, we, we mentioned this, I think, a few weeks ago, even um, the United States in the 1950s is a totally different culture than it is today. Some of the, and I mentioned, I think, remember uh, some of the advertisements that you would see in the 1950s could probably put an advertising firm in jail today. <laughs> Some of the ways they, they depict women and, and, and things like that, and, or, 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 you know, how um, certain things that we know now are carcinogenic, you know, they would just say it's the best thing in the world for you, right? <laughs> you know, the way they would advertise cigarettes. <clears throat> um, or yeah, anyway, so many things are like that, that, that you, when we try to uh, put our present day worldview and lens to something that happened in a totally different, what to speak of thousands and thousands of years ago, it's very hard to um, to um, understand a different culture. Even, even India, right? For those of us who are old enough, my gosh, India has changed so much, right? Um, it was such a poverty-stricken country when I first went there. And, you know, there was one, there was two television stations and you couldn't, anyway, you know, you, to place a long distance call, you had to book it. And, and, and there were so many, there was one car, basically the ambassador, then the Maruti van came, right? <laughs> Those of us may remember that. And now look at India, right? Um, totally different. So, and things were very different then. Things were very, very different then. Um, yeah. So um, did anyone else want to say something? Okay. Um, oh, and uh, Prabhuji put in the chat, uh, every endeavor is covered by some fault, just as fire is covered by smoke. Therefore, one should not give up the work born of his duty, uh, even if that work is full of fault. So carrying on, there in the month, oh, did I, yeah, there in the north, whoops, at the bottom of Mount Meru is a forest known as Sukumara, where Lord Shiva always enjoys with Uma. So 
Yumna entered that forest. O King Prikshit, as soon as Sudyumna, who was expert in subduing enemies, entered the forest, he saw himself transformed into a female and his horse transformed into a mare. What? As Raghunath would say. When his followers also saw their identities transformed and their sex reversed, they were all very morose and just looked at one another. What is going on? Maharaj Piksha said, O most powerful Brahmana, why was this place so empowered and who made it so powerful? Kindly answer this question, for I am eager to hear about this. Sukadeva Goswami answered, Great saintly persons who strictly observe the spiritual rules and regulations and whose own effulgence dissipated all the darkness in all, of all directions once came to see Lord Shiva in that forest. Give me one second here. Okay. Continuing. When the goddess Ambika saw the great saintly persons, that's another name for Lord Shiva's wife. Uh, she was very much ashamed because at that time she was naked. She immediately got up from the lap of her husband and tried to cover her breast. Seeing Lord Shiva and Parvati engage in sexual affairs, all the great saintly persons immediately desisted from going further and departed for the ashram of Nara Narayan. Thereupon, just to please his wife, Lord Shiva said, any male entering this place shall immediately become a female. Since that time, no male has entered that forest. But now King Sudumna, having been transformed into a female, began to walk with his associates from one forest to another. Purport. And this is a very interesting purport. In the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, verse 22, it is said, this is a very nice verse. Navani Grinanti Naro Parani Tata Sarirani Vihaya Jirnani Nanyani Samyati Navani Dehi. As a person puts on new garments, giving up old ones, the soul accepts new material bodies, giving up the old and useless ones. The body is just like a dress, Prabhupada continues, and here this is proved. Sudyumna and his associates were all male, which means that their souls were covered by male dress. But now they became female, which means their dress was changed. The soul, however, remains the same. It is said that by modern medical treatment, a male can be transformed into a female and a female into a male. The body, however, has no connection with the soul. The body can be changed. Uh, either in this life or the next. Therefore, one who has knowledge of the soul and how the soul transmigrates from one body to another does not pay attention to the body, which is nothing but a covering dress. Pandita Samadharshina, from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 5, text 18. Such a person sees the soul, which is part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, he is Samadharshi, a learned person. So that verse says that, that one who sees the soul, despite different bodies, different species, different genders, that that person has actual equal vision. So I found this <coughs> some this paragraph to be really powerful um, because you know we we've heard for those of us who've been devotees why we've heard you're not this body you're the soul you're not this body you're the soul you're not this body you're the soul. But here it is almost like a, a really kind of beautiful illustration of that, that 
you know, you, you get transformed into a different gender, but you're still the same person. You're still the soul that has nothing to do with the body, right? The body is, is, is a dream that, that exists for some time. It, it didn't exist in the past. It exists for some time, maybe 80 to 100 years or whatever, and then it doesn't exist again. But we remain the constant. We remain the actual occupant in the body throughout. But here, I, I just think it's a, the way it's illustrated in this uh, pastime, it, it brings that out. So Dumna and his associates were all male, which means that their soul was covered by male dress, but now they became female, which means their dress was changed. Some questions, comments, thoughts? No. Um, oh, yeah. I, one of the things I, I, I grapple a lot with is, actually, I don't, but like I, I think about it a lot within the context of the society that we, we live in. You know, um, you do come across across a lot of these texts, the sort of notion that um, being born to a male is a higher birth or, or uh -huh. than, than a female, which of course um, is extremely troubling in today's, <laughs> you know, um, Western way of thinking. But I think that uh, within the context of this time and, and, and these scriptures, it's, it's like there's really only one thing that matters and that's your ability to attain godhead and you have equal footing in that endeavor as a female as a male uh, yes. and and counter to that um, you know there, there's no place in the material world where you hold a position where there isn't someone quote unquote uh, above you or, or you know right. at a higher right. Right. place so you know um <laughs> just because someone's a male, you know, and maybe has some advantages, uh, they still have dis disadvantages relative to someone else that are effectively similar to the female or, or whatever other example class, you know, uh, caste, you know, you want to you wanna think of. And um, well, there's some other thoughts I have along the whole male-female line, but I'll save it for later. <laughs> no, but, but you know, you're bringing up uh, some good points. Now, in, in Vedic culture also, a daughter is considered very auspicious. Um, so, you know, it, you cut, it cut both far. It was the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the seminal um, line was, was done by males, right? And that's true of cultures going, and other cultures going back some time. Um, and Prabhupada would say different things. You know, he'd say that, you know, everyone knows that in, in, in a religious, at least in India, in a religious um, uh, function, more women show up than men. <laughs> he, he said that. They, mm -hmm. They're more naturally, are devotionally inclined, and men are dealing with their big egos. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. Um, and, uh... Yeah. And, and there's definitely differences in the body, right? I mean, besides the obvious one of, most men not being able to beget a child, I mean, uh, deliver a child. Um, you don't have like women in the National Football League and and they separate men and women in tennis and things like that because the, their bodies are different. Traditionally, I, I, and I read this, this is not a Vedic thing. Uh, I read this um, from a scholar. They were, she was, and it was a woman scholar. She was saying that traditionally, Transcendence was a male project. Mm 
That's what she, the word she used. And she explained that the woman's body is more grounded to nature. She's the one who carries a child for nine months. She's the one who breastfeeds the child, right? Um, and, and that ground, you know, that, that ground, you know, it, she's the one who has a period every month, you know, things that, that a woman's body just goes through where, you know, traditionally men, or not traditionally, men didn't have, doesn't have, don't have to deal with such things. And tradition, traditionally, in many cultures, the men therefore had more time to devote to scriptural studies. Like uh, again, I'll I'll refer to my favorite cultural uh, icon, and that is uh, the 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 play Fiddler on the Roof or the movie Fiddler on the Roof, right? And and you see that that the uh, the boys went off to Hebrew school. Right. And the girls learned basically how to take care of the family. And and it was a um, what they call sociologists called the stratification of society. So it was um, or, or another way that it's where that it's worded is sociological terms. It's um, um, complementarianism instead of egalitarianism. Mm-hmm. So complementary means they, they complement each other. They each have different duties, but they complement each other. Egalitarian, you know, on, on the same level. Uh, traditionally, uh, in Vedic times, and even traditionally until, like I said, um, 70 years ago in America, um, um, it, what was I going to say? It was material materially uh, complementarianism and spiritually egalitarianism because spiritually everyone's equal. You know, matter of fact, uh, a, you know, uh, a woman who's focusing a lot on, on a man will become a man in his next life and vice versa. Right. It's such a temporary thing. Right. But there, but traditionally there were different duties, but spiritually, you know, even, you know, we're all the same. We're all, I mean, we're all equal. We're not the same. We're individuals, but we're all equal. Um, and, and, and we know that, uh, like, like my parents, uh, got divorced in 1964. So it was like a, it was not an easy thing for my mom to get a job. She had to maintain us because it's just like, it, especially in the suburbs where we lived in kind of a well-to-do suburb, um, that we weren't well-to-do, but we lived in a well-to-do suburb. And it's just like, you know, it was, women were not in the workplace. The only kind of job she could get was in a uh, department store um, selling perfumes and things like that, which was, you know, very much a female thing. So, and it was kind of like, oh, it's too bad. You have to get a job kind of thing. That was 1964, 65, 66. Whereas, you know, times have totally changed, right? Although there's still um, inebriates in terms of, uh, or in inequalities, right? In terms of pay and things like that, it seems. And I, and I, you know, I guess there's been a lot of work and in, in, you're in the, the military. Um, that's been a whole thing, right? The women in the military. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're uh, quite a bit past that at this point, you know, it's, it's getting into whole other uh, realms. I, I got to say like uh, the military, frankly, is, it seems counterintuitive, but I would say one of the most forward or progressed in that stuff. Actually, I hate to use that term progressed. I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, okay. um, you know, some of this stuff, my personal opinion, it's, it's going too far. But uh, again, that's neither here nor there. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would say mostly it's, I mean, I, I haven't seen any examples of, of you know, uh, chauvinism or, or any of that type of stuff. It's, it's so That's... few and far between. Um, and it's like, you know, I mean, God, constant trainings on it. You know, like, yes. Don't do this and don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and it's not all um, beautiful. I, I, I um, but it might not have been the Navy. I, I spoke when we were doing training. This was for at work. It's a little we're bidding a little off the topic. But anyway, uh, at work, we were doing training on sex, uh, sexual harassment and sexual assault. And yeah. so and so we brought in a two star general to who that her um, focus was on that. And she just said, uh -huh. you know, she just said it can be pretty crazy. You get a 19 year old. He just got his first paycheck, you know, for, you know, he has money to burn and does all kinds of really stupid things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The old drunken sailor. Yeah, the old kind of delivery yeah. port. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't just Frank Sinatra, right? In the old movies. Um, okay, so we do. Let's talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes because we're going to get into uh, talking about transgender issues because uh, you'll see why in a few minutes. 34. Sudumna had been transformed into the best of beautiful women who excite sexual desire and was surrounded by other women. Upon seeing this beautiful woman loitering near his ashram, uh, Buddha, not Buddha, not like Buddha, but Buddha, only, yeah, it's a different, uh, the sun of the moon immediately desired to enjoy her. The beautiful woman also desired to accept Buddha, the son of the king of the moon, as her husband. Thus Buddha begot in her womb a son named Puruvara. I heard from reliable sources that King Sudumna, the son of Manu, having thus achieved femininity, remembered his familial spiritual master, Vashishta. Upon seeing Sudumna's de uh, deplorable condition that he you know, changed genders, uh, Vashishta was very much aggrieved. Desiring for Sud Sudumna to regain his maleness, Vashishta again began to worship Lord Shankar, Shiva. O King Parikshit, Lord Shiva was pleased with Vashishta. Therefore, to satisfy him and to keep his own word to Parvati, Lord Shiva said to that saintly person, your disciple Sudumna may remain a male for one month and a female for the next. In this way, he may rule the world as he likes. Thus, being favored by the spiritual master, according to the words of Lord Shiva, Sudumna regained his desired maleness every alternative month and in this way ruled the kingdom although the citizens were not very satisfied with this you, you can imagine the citizens having like a calendar and say okay now where, where is he at this or she you know uh okay sadumna uh okay sadumna had three very pious sons named uh utkala gaya and vimala who became the kings of the dakshina pot Thereafter, when the time was ripe, when Sudum, the king of the world, was sufficiently old, he delivered the entire kingdom to his son, Puruvara, and entered the forest. <laughs> okay. And Prabhupada mentions that, uh, according to the Vedic system, one within the institution of Varna and Ashram must leave his family life after reaching 50 years of age. Thus, Sudumna followed the prescribed regulations of Varnashrama, by leaving the kingdom and going to the forest to complete his spiritual life or going to the forest or not having any more children or, or whatever, but just being just, it's a, 
the age of 50 is a tap on the shoulder that life is not eternal and you're going to die in time to get serious about spiritual life. So a few thoughts I had about this, um, because you could say this is a example of <coughs> transgenderism in, uh, in the Bhagavatam. Um, one thought I was had was that, you know, whatever body people, whatever body we are in, it's, um, it's not very comfortable, right? Everyone wants to be thinner, have, you know, darker hair, lighter skin, this, that, you know, and no one is like, even if one is, just, <coughs> drop, excuse me, drop dead gorgeous uh, or handsome, then they're not comfortable as they get older, right? Uh, but when, you know, uh, and so transgenderism in, in the modern context, one way to look at it is just taking that discomfort to a, a, much, a much greater degree. Also, another thought here is that for Shudumna, um, it's, not, it's not choice. It's not voluntary. These, these things kind of happen to him, <laughs> right? Uh, first by the curse and then by the re, uh, re, reversing the curse at least 50% of the time. And that ultimately, whatever body we have, um, we need to raise our consciousness. And that's actually ultimately the, the ultimate lesson. So any thoughts, questions, comments on this? I think it's also interesting how even if you get what you think is going to make you happy, it doesn't. So it still comes all the way back around to like, you know, the externals and all that doesn't, they don't lead to, to what you think they will. So That's right, David. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So many times in my life, you know, I, I thought, well, this is going to make me happy. <coughs> or, or as they say, grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, grass is greener on the other side. I mean, I even had like a mini, mini example of this, right? Uh, very mini. <coughs> but I always kind of wanted to get some Merrill shoes because they're they very good, very comfortable, and they're, they're vegan. But they were always like expensive, like $120, you know? So I found this, I don't know how I found it, but um, I found this uh, one on sale for $30, you know, and I said, oh, and I got it. And I, you know, I was waiting for it to come in the mail and, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'm a devotee. I wasn't thinking this is going to make my whole life, but I was kind of like, you know, anxious to get them. And then I opened them and I wore them for a few days. And it's like, okay, now I have, you know, it's like, you know, um, but whether it's this car or whether it's this partner um, or this raise, or this new job, or whatever. Yeah. Um, what was that song by U2? I still haven't, uh, U2, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? So it's it's a little bit like that. Right? Or if you want to get older, you know, uh, the, the Rolling Stones, you ca I can't get no satisfaction. And I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. Um, so thank you for that, Dana. It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, what is Raghu's, uh, Raghu on the Wisdom of Sages always says, big deal. Yeah, big deal, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, ultimately the, the where, where's that, um, um, I want to find that, the, the end of that poem by Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Um, he, the end of the poem says, uh, Maintain thy post in spirit world as firmly as you can. Let never matter push thee down, O stand heroic man. 
Osaragrahi Vaishnava soul. That means a surrendered soul. Thou art an angel fair. Lead, lead me on to Brindavan and spirit's power declare. There rest my soul from matter free upon my lover's arms. Eternal peace and spirit's love are all my chanting charms. So that's, that's the resting place, the solace. The, let there rest my soul uh, there rest my soul from matter free upon my lover's arms. Eternal peace and spirit's love are all my chanting charms. Nice. Other thoughts, questions, comments? Okay. Well, then we will uh, end a little early this week. And we will go on to, and we may, there's, this next chapter also has very few purports. Um, so we'll probably, we probably will go on to the third chapter. I'll send out some reading. So if there's nothing else, thank you so much. Um, have a which wonderful poem is that from What's that? You just referred to a poem. Which one is it? Uh, the poem? Yes. Is, uh, what is it called? It's called O Vaishnava Soul. Let's see. Saragrahi Vaishnava. Hold on a second. I have to find it now. I lost it. Where to go? Um, well, in the BTG, they call it O Vaishnava Soul. I think it might also be called O Saragrahi Vaishnav. Okay, Prabhu, I'll look up. It's from Shula Bhaktivinoda Thakur, right? Yes. It's in English. Actually, it's a very it's an interesting. If you look at it, if you juxtaposition it with a poem by a Longfellow, you'll see that he, you know, he kind of transcendentally plagiarized it <laughs> uh, and Krishnaized it um, in a very, very beautiful way. Um, because he, he appreciated Longfellow. Yeah. All right. Have a lovely day and lovely week in Krishna consciousness. Hare Krishna.